What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stick to Football Live if you're watching in the BR app, and hopefully you are. We have an exciting show for you today. It is redraft week here at Bleach Report, so we're going to give you some insider stories from over the years of picks that almost happened and didn't. We also have our great friend, Dana Holgerson, one of the realest coaches at college football, going to join us for a little bit of an interview. Matt, Mello, and Connor, of course. Connor's hair is so tall, it's almost out of the shot now. I have the opposite problem. And also, we're going to take your draft on draft questions. You can leave a comment right here in the app stream if you're watching the show, and we'll get to those at the end here. So a great way to interact with us, guys. And my favorite thing about Stick to Football, we're not going to tease breaking news for 24 hours and then give you something that you probably already knew. We're just going to give it to you straight right off the top. Yeah, I mean, 24 I hours I waited. hate to make somebody stay up kind of late at night to watch some breaking news that wasn't very breaking or exciting. Or even really his news to talk about. Right? It's amazing. Please don't hurt me. Yeah, I was going to say, we were talking about before we were on air about people we would not want to fight. And the person that had this news is definitely <laughs> on the list. So I'm going to stop right there. Well, you know what? We're all quarantined. Jay Glazer cannot beat me up Members right now. of the media, he's at the top of the list. Oh, without a doubt. General Just, public, he's still near yeah. the top. Media member, if I was going to fight one, it would probably be Andrew Siciliano because he's tiny. Like, like, he's just pocket-sized. I'm not very big. He's pocket-sized. All right, we're <laughs> not going to fight anyone, though. Uh, don't forget, follow us in the Bleacher Report app. Uh, find us at NFL Draft Scout, at Connor. Somehow he's still that handle. And at Mello007, he's apparently a British secret agent. But it is redraft week, and we have had a lot of fun. We redrafted some superstars in the show uh, yesterday. All week you've seen the jersey swaps, the cool what might have beens. Mike Tanier had a, a great remock draft article. But we're going to tell you some of our own stories from on the road that we've heard where teams almost made a pick or wanted to make a pick and didn't get a chance to. And it seems like this one is just going to upset so many people. But I will start here, guys. One story that you hear coming out of the 2017 draft, and I believe this is somewhat well-known now. Obviously, the morning of the draft, the Kansas City Chiefs trade up to the number 10 overall selection. And they start leaking to everyone in the media, hey, we want a linebacker. We're going to take a linebacker, not a quarterback. We don't feel like one's going to be there, so we're going to take a linebacker. Some of us, like me, put it out on Twitter. Chiefs traded up. Sounds like they want a linebacker. Well, they didn't. They wanted Patrick Mahomes. The rest of the story is, though, and I feel like Paul Harvey, and I just dated myself. Wow, four people got that joke. It was that the Houston Texans were also trying to do a similar move to trade up to get Patrick Mahomes. They had him as the number one quarterback on their board. Deshaun Watson, the number two quarterback, as as happens, Mahomes goes 10, Watson goes, what I believe, 12th overall. One's the Super Bowl winner. One is now stuck with maybe the clueless, most clueless general manager slash head coach in football. I wonder if Watson was even the number two quarterback on their board or if they had Mitchell Trubisky, as they call him in Chicago, as the number two quarterback on their board. A lot of people missed on Patrick Mahomes, though. I don't think we have to go too hard on these teams that passed him over. It could happen to anybody. It could even happen to the best draft analysis in the world. Uh, (laughs) People miss. It happens Later, they redeem themselves. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there is no doubt about that. This one would have been, God, it would have been much interesting. I think if you're Patrick Mahomes, you are very thankful each and every day that you landed with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think for the Texans, 
at least at the end of the day, it's not like you got a bust. You got a superstar quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And one of the throwbacks that I want to tell you guys about is about a trade that didn't happen. And sometimes you should be thankful for those as well. In the 2016 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys looking for life after Tony Romo. They take Zeke Elliott in the top five. They were looking to get back into the first round to draft Paxton Lynch. And they could not. They called the New York Jets who were picking at 20. The deal was on the table. The Jets were going to get out of the first round for a couple day two picks, seeing that they had a lot of needs and needed more ammo. The Cowboys would gladly come back up into the first round to get the quarterback, have that fifth year option. And it was actually the New York Jets that pulled the deal off the table. It was not Dallas. So long story short, the Jets say no deal. Dallas ends up taking a guy named Dak Prescott in the fourth round of that draft, fellas. The Jets took Darren Lee at 20. I would say that move did not work out for New York. That move changed what the future looks like in Dallas. Well, not only that, it, look at what these teams did in the second round that changed those franchises completely oh, because God. the Cowboys got Jalen Smith. And the Jets took Christian Hackenberg. So this completely changes. I mean, Mike McCagnan, probably you could go back to this draft and say that's when the them getting fired really started. And for the Cowboys now, they have such a solid foundation with Dak, Zeke, and Jalen Smith as three of the leaders on this team. So go back to 2016, not great. For your New York Jets, Connor. Darren Lee, uh, I think he's a chief now, or he was for a moment. A I think he might not be anymore. And then Hackenberg was, we saw him in the, the AAF last. I think that's just, this is crazy, though, because like we'll give the Cowboys credit for taking Dak. But, I mean, they kind of missed on him, too. Nobody expected him uh, to be this good, but it happens all the time in the NFL. You'll find a gym like a Tom Brady in the sixth round, and everybody will say, ooh, yay, Patriots, you found the MVP quarterback. But really, like these guys, they passed him up, too. And Jerry, I remember him. He loved Paxton Lynch, desperately wanted him, was very angry when he missed out on him. It's crazy how many people wanted Paxton Lynch that year. He was six foot seven. guy plays small forward. Right? Yeah. That's what's Kelly forgotten about. We could sit here and, and laugh a little. It's like, wow, Dallas really lucked out that the Jets walked that deal, you know, took it off the table. But there were a lot of teams that wanted Paxton Lynch. He still ends up going in the first round and ends up being a bust elsewhere while Dallas, you know, we're waiting for them to get that contract extension done. But I would say things worked out pretty well with Dak Prescott instead. Yeah, it absolutely did. One more story that I've heard over the road. Uh, we'll go back again, 2017. This was such a loaded draft class. I mean, obviously, Miles Garrett at the top, two superstar quarterbacks, Emma Holmes and Watson. Uh, but a player who I've spotlighted this week, Alvin Kamara, a guy who I had rated number 28 overall in that class. He failed to pick 67. And there was a lot of conversation about where does Kamara come off the board. He was kind of a gadget player at Tennessee after getting kicked out of Alabama, goes to the Volunteers, takes the job from Jalen Hurd, who's now a receiver for the San Francisco 49ers and with Kamara it was where does he come off the board and in the third round there was so much posturing teams trying to get Kamara one team the Jets wanted him badly the Titans wanted him as well the Chiefs were another team rumored to one Alvin Kamara none of those teams are able to get him though because Sean Payton who I think is one of the low-key most connected men in the NFL when it comes to rumors and news Peyton knew that all these other teams wanted Kamara. They trade up and steal him from, I mean, think how different the NFL is if the Chiefs take Kamara instead of Kareem Hunt. Or if the Titans pair Derrick Henry with Alvin Kamara. Or if the Jets, like we're saying, sorry Jets fans, we're not doing this intentionally. This was a bad year for you guys. Uh, If the Jets get an Alvin Kamara to go with now Sam Darnold, I mean, these franchises are completely different. 
Uh, and I think it goes to show how important the draft is. I mean, you can pass on a guy or if you miss out and you don't get your guy, it can set your franchise back for years. And for these GMs, it can cost you your job in a hurry. And something we always talk about, guys, that plays into it. Yes, this is player evaluation. It's grading players and seeing who hits. So much of it is draft strategy. And that's a perfect example, that story, Matt, of Sean Payton being a guy that knows how to navigate up and down the board, getting intel from other teams, figuring out what they're going to do, and when you have to jump. Because sometimes if it's too early, you're going to give up more assets than you should have. But in this case for the Saints, they did not surrender a lot, and they got one of the best receiving backs in all of football. Yeah, and again, it goes back to it's somewhat draft strategy. It's also a lot of luck. Like I mean, with the Saints, sure. Michael Thomas is another player who uh, we were going to talk about this story and we have a little bit of time. Michael Thomas is a guy, I was at the NFL Combine begging a friend of mine who was high up in the league at the time, hey, you draft Michael Thomas, he's my number one receiver. And he was like, dude, we have a fifth round on that guy. So sometimes it's just, it's good luck, it's bad luck. Um, and there are many, many misses to go along with the hits like a Michael Thomas or an Alvin Kamara. So just a couple of stories, like I said, it's Redraft Week of Bleach Report. If you're in the app, Go to the NFL, the NFL draft streams. You're going to see a ton of content of picks that maybe should have or should not have happened. And those are always a ton of fun. I love I'm redrafts. Check them out right now. There you go. Today's show is sponsored by the upcoming PlayStation 5. The fine people over at PlayStation wanted me to let all the stickies know they're working hard to get the new console in your living room, so don't get too bored staying at home all the time. We know Madden, the show, and 2K are filling the void real sports left and can't wait for everyone to enjoy their favorite sports with PlayStation 5's high-powered graphics, and brand-new DualSense controller. Add me on PlayStation at NFL Draft Scout. Challenge me to a game of Madden as soon as the draft is over. But just remember, I call the Chiefs with Mahomes at my quarterback. You can have him. All right, we are joined today by the only repeat coach ever on Stick to Football, and we got him when he just started his job at Houston, and now we get him a year in, head coach Dana Holgerson. Coach, Thanks for taking some time to hang out with us this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you got it, guys. I uh, had so much fun doing it last year with you guys. Figured I'd do it again. Plus, we, we got a little time on our hands right now. So let's 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 talk something that resembles yeah. football. Well, let's jump in right there then and talk football. You have a player in Josh Jones, a left tackle, who's projected to be a first-round pick. Uh, what can you tell us about Josh from your time when you got there at Houston to where uh, he was when you last saw him, I guess? Yeah, I couldn't be more proud of, of Josh. Um you know, didn't didn't know him. You know, my at my my time at West Virginia, we we didn't recruit Texas very much, just based on you know being an East Coast school and had a unique way of doing things that that turned out to be pretty successful. But uh, so I didn't really know a whole lot of guys on our team. You know, and obviously Josh was one of them. He was one of the the main guys coming back, so he was one of the first ones that I wanted to get to know pretty early. And uh, you know, he he's a he's an impressive guy. Now, and I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, a couple of things that we identified at Houston was they didn't want to, kids didn't want a red shirt. You know, they, they really weren't in, interested in, in, in graduation, so to speak. So uh, the two things that Josh did, he, he, he did red shirt early. You know, he decided to come back for his fifth year. There was a little bit of talk of him coming out early, but he was a projected sixth, seventh round draft pick. And, and so he, he hung in there. He came back for his final year. He got his degree, which I'm very proud of. Uh, he worked on his craft, and he's he's uh, he's uh, he's worked himself into a first round draft pick, and I think that is going to be an example that we use around here for a long time to come. Coach, I feel like you're a guy who's going to shoot us straight. How is he in the locker room uh, and character wise? Couldn't couldn't be better. You know, we had we had zero zero issues with that whatsoever. You know, we we, we had a we had a tough year. 
Uh, lots been made of it, you know, for a lot of reasons. You know, we played six ranked teams. The, I'm here to tell you the American is is pretty daggum good, you know. And, you know, this is coming from a guy that's been in the Big 12 for 15 years or so. So uh, our non-conference schedule was was challenging. We, uh, the quality of, of football that we had was was really good. We just, we, we, we you know, we didn't, uh, you know, we had a lot of injuries and we had a lot of red-shirted kids, a lot of ineligible guys that, that, that we, uh, you know, that we, that, that we know are going to be uh, valuable players for us in the future. And, and Josh being one of the lone seniors that we had on the team, never complained one time. Uh, he put his head down. He, he went to work. He, he got better every single game. He was, he was on about a 10 game stretch of just showing improvement each and every week, you know, and then game 10 against central Florida, he rolled his, his ankle up. Uh, wasn't wasn't a serious issue, but it was serious enough for him not to play in the last couple of games, which I supported. He had done enough at that point and put first round plays on there. And uh, attitude was great. Hung in there with with the team the rest of the year. Couldn't have been more happy with what his his uh, performance was, not only on the field but just being in the locker room and what kind of a person that he is. Coach, obviously a lot going on in the world right now, and I would imagine that really impacts not just your day to day, but the recruiting trail. Uh, what has that been like this last month, just your day-to-day and how this really has affected your ability to recruit? Uh, well, it, it's, it's picked it up from, uh, from, uh, it, it, from technology. Uh, we, I do what I'm doing with you guys right now. You know, I mean, we do staff meetings like this. We do player meetings like this. You know, I'm not going to ignore my players. You know, we got a lot of guys. I'm going to continue to make sure that they're doing the right thing every day and they're in good spirits and their mental health is, is strong and they're excited about coming back as soon as we're able to come back uh from a recruiting perspective you don't get the face-to-face uh in person uh, on campus stuff but but there's probably more communication from a technology perspective i stay on my phones with them every day i get on zoom meetings with them we have offensive uh, staff meetings with specific individuals uh you know i think we're ahead you know the one thing about where we're at, our staff continuity was really good. We've, we've been doing the same thing here for about 15 months now, and uh, our, our database is uh, obviously pretty good here in the city of Houston. So we're able to be in contact with the guys daily, and uh, it's, just, it's just a different kind of recruiting. It's face-to-face technology, which we may not like it as adults, but the, the younger generation certainly do like it. I was going to ask, is that something you could see the NCAA maybe loosening the standards on moving forward so there's maybe not less face-to-face recruiting, as you said, but maybe giving more opportunity for Zoom calls and FaceTime and, and more texting to where they've been pretty strict on that in the past? Yeah, they've, they've actually re- they, they've, they've relaxed those rules a little bit here recently. You know, I remember back the day here three, four years ago, you know, you couldn't text kids and you could only call them once a week or whatever. Now they've relaxed that quite a bit. You can text them. I mean, all these social media outlets that are available, you can get to them as easy as you want to. Uh, I still haven't called a prospect in probably about eight years now. We got in trouble a while ago as a university as a whole. I think there was too many phone calls that were being placed Ill- Ill- illegally. I mean, if you if you call a person back and say, yeah, I missed your call, who is this? I mean, if it's a recruit, it could be a violation. All right. So there's just, if you add up all the people that are in an athletic department, there's going to be an impermissible phone calls. 
So I said, that's fine. I'm just, I'm never going to make another one. So all I do is I text the guy, call me or I social media, they recruit and say, call me and they're going to call you right away anyway. So I just refuse to log another phone call for the rest of my career. I like it. That's genius right there. You're talking about recruiting last year. You hit the transfer portal pretty hard this year. The transfer portal hits you pretty hard though. Uh, how much of that decision for your team? A lot of guys played those four games and then they sat the rest of the year. Was that something you guys sat and talked about? Was that a player's decision? Did your opinion come in on that at all? Well, we've, we've took advantage of the, the transfer portal for years. I mean, you go back at the last four years that we were at West Virginia, we were 50% transfers. You look at all those guys that were drafted last year with, you know, Will Greer and Trayvon Wesco and some David Sills, some guys like that. Those, those were all transfer guys. But that was 50% of our, of our recruiting strategy there for the last five years, which is why we were able to be able to compete from a talent perspective. Uh, I don't. I don't think Houston's any different. We're going to keep the same strategy here. We're going to get as many local high school kids in this great city of Houston, uh, you know, into Louisiana, East Texas, up to Dallas. Uh, but it's very competitive here. Everybody's recruiting down here, you know. So, you know, guys want to leave. They 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 leave. I mean, we're we're obviously only going to win a few of those battles. But uh, I, I tell our guys be nice to them and 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 keep recruiting them because you never know when they're going to want to come back home. Uh, which means the transfer portal is going to be something that we look at daily. I mean, we got five spots on our board still for the 2020 recruiting class that we're going to fill here in the next couple of months with transfers. Uh, I don't, I don't view, uh, you know, I to this date, you know, we haven't lost really anybody that we're really too concerned with here going into the transfer portal this year. I think our health, our, our roster is incredibly healthy. We're going to be right at 85 scholarships with a whole lot of guys that are eligible and ready to make a difference here this year than they couldn't last year. Coach, we always love being ahead on each draft class. So we're already thinking about not just next week, but next year. And so do the listeners of this show. Who are some of the guys that we already get on, got to get on our watch list that you're excited to coach heading into next year? Yeah, that's a, that's a question that always gets me in trouble. You know, if I, if I look at my sheet right here and I, I throw out a couple (laughs) of names at you, then, a couple of guys on my team are going to be pissed that I didn't name them, you know? So, uh, you know, like I said, we didn't lose very many seniors this year, you know, and it's, you know, I had four first rounders at, at West Virginia. I think Josh is going to be the fifth one as, as my head coach tenure. Proud of that. Uh, you know, and, and we got some guys coming back. we got a lot of, we got next year, we're going to have around 25, 26 seniors on the team. So we're going to be, a lot older and we're going to have some guys with a lot of playing experience. You know, I, I, I will mention two guys just because these two guys are, 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 are kids that are, that have been in the program for five, for four years, uh, going on fifth years. Mark West Stevenson is, um, you know, he's, his nickname's speedy. So you can imagine what his greatest attribute is. I mean, the dude can just flat out fly at more, uh, explosive plays are 50 or more than anybody in the country last year. He's coming back for his fifth year. Uh, he was, he was different in the spring. He reminded me of the, uh, the jump that Tavon Austin made from his junior year to his senior year, you know, just as far as being an uh, all around player, he's got that kind of speed. He's got that kind of, of, of skill set and uh, excited about what he's going to bring uh, to the table as a fifth year senior. And then defensively, uh, Peyton Turner's a four year starter. He's a, Six five two, two hundred sixty pound DN. That that uh, he may be two seventy. I mean, but he he looks the part. He's got a ton of snaps under his belt. Uh, those guys have the measurables. 
you know, like I said, we got 24 other guys that have played a lot of ball that, that uh, it's going to be fun to, to, to watch these guys develop. And, you know, we got eight spring practices in, so we're a little ahead of what most people are. So it's fun to see what their development is. And once we can get the green light to get back started, I, I know these guys are going to be eager to continue to improve to have a heck of a 2020 season. Now, Coach, as far as getting that green light, I don't know about everybody else. When we first got quarantined for like two weeks, all I did was eat. I didn't exercise. I just like ate every snack in the house. How do you make sure that these like 18 to 22-year-old kids are doing their conditioning, that they're eating well, uh, and not just like that they're not eating a bunch of junk food like I was, but that they're getting three meals a day because not everyone you know comes from a background where they, they have access to that. How much monitoring are you guys able to do of, of what the players are doing on a day-to-day right now? You know, you're 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 – the, there's not there's nothing you can do i mean we're in we're in com we're in we're in communication with them we call them every day the position coaches call them every single day they you know they check in uh academically you know to our academic people every single day if they don't check in then they get a phone call immediately uh from a strength and conditioning perspective from an athletic training perspective there's just not a whole lot you can do you can call them and encourage them uh but that that's about it we did a a, a thing in spring for eight days we you know, we, we called it, what are you doing when no one's looking? Uh, and we just kind of videoed a person and we said, okay, what, you know, are you, you know, what are you doing during this practice? Are you, you grab passing and screwing around the whole time or are you actually trying to get better? You know, and so we called some people out on some, some of their behaviors when, when they thought nobody was looking. And so I remind them of that, you know, pretty much once a week. I just say, look, this is the ultimate what are you doing when no one's looking test. Uh, because there really is just not a whole lot that we can do. There's still NCAA rules and regulations as far as what we can and can't do with these guys. And uh, we just got to trust them to, to, to uh, put their best foot forward, you know. And, you know, uh, once, we're, once we're able to get back going, uh, we start our workouts. We're going to probably figure out who did and who didn't work out pretty, pretty quickly. And then we can do something about it at that point. Yeah, real quick. I think you haven't figured out in those first two days kind of who, who was working out, who wasn't. Coach, predict, what do you think the 2020 college football season is going to look for, like for us? Is it going to be on time? Uh, is it going to be a shortened season? What are you kind of thinking right now? You know, what, no matter what I say right now, it's going to get criticized. Uh, if I go too early, I'm going to get criticized. Mm, if I go too right. late, yep. Criticized. I'm not even going to go there. That's not a decision that I'm going to be a part of. Uh, you know, administrators are going to get on on committees, and uh, presidents and athletic directors and conference commissioners are going to get together, and they're going to. I will say they'll follow the lead of what the pro sports are going to do. You know, whatever NBA decides to do here, and whatever Major League Baseball decides to do, then the NFL is going to kind of get together. What are they going to start doing? Are they going to go small groups first, OTAs? Uh, push everything back and just start practicing before the season. I, I don't know. Uh, whatever whatever those professional <clears throat> organizations do is probably what our our illustrious administrators are going to do, and then we'll, we'll we'll do what we're told after that. Coach, last time we talked to you, you just made the jump. You were you were leaving West Virginia, going to Houston, and we know we could tell how excited you were. What are some of the changes you noticed from that 10-year gap from the last time you were at Houston from when you just got there now as the head coach? Uh, it, it'd take a while to explain everything, honestly. I mean, just, you know, for our, our president's an absolute rock star. Renew Couture has been here for 12 years now. She's, she's different, you know, and she's turned down a bunch of jobs because she loves the city and wants to stay at this university and make it great. Enrollment has, has doubled. You know, I think it was around 25,000 when I was here 10 years ago. It's at just under 50,000 now. So, you know, we, we, we've moved into wow. tier one status academically. There's, 
you know, every athletic facility has been redone from baseball to track and field, which, you know, track and field's a top three program. You know, our uh, coach Sampson in, in basketball has done a heck of a job, top 10 team basketball wise and a brand new Fertitta center, which that name should ring a bell to you. Uh, he's our Tillman's our, our, our chair. Uh, so he's bringing a lot of, of knowledge and stuff to, to the university as well. It's completely different. Things are being built. Our endowment is as good as there is anywhere. So we're, we're a healthy university and, and good things are just going to continue to happen for the University of Houston. Well, Coach, we won't take up too much more of your time. We know you're busy. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck to you guys this year and, and stay safe, man. Uh, we're looking awesome. forward to seeing what the Cougars look like in 2020 whenever you get back on the field. Awesome. Go Cougs. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Always a good time. Yeah, thanks, thanks coach. coach. Appreciate you. Good luck. Big thanks to Coach for making some time with us on the Zoom call. Always a good time. I do regret we didn't get to kick back with some sugar-free Red Bulls like we like we normally do. Uh, let's do some draft-on-draft draft questions, guys. You guys have been loading up the, the comment stream here with some questions, so let's hop into it. Our first question, what position group has the biggest drop-off after the top tier? I actually, I want to go last on this one. Normally, I'm like, oh, I'm like a kid in a candy store, and I want to jump in and steal the answers, but I'm going to I'm gonna pass. Well excited. And I'm ready to go. Um, I'll say corner. I think okay. the cornerback class after the top tier, because the top tier for me is Akuda and then C.J. Henderson. And then after that, we're going to see a big gap, about 20 picks probably, before we see the next one go. And I like the corner class. I think it's a very deep class. And, you know, the guys that are sitting there on my board from three to six are good and could be pro bowlers. I think those top two guys uh, could be very special, though, uh, top in the NFL. I love this question because you can go a lot of different directions. I think the running back group, we've talked about the top five, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Cam Akers. That group seems to be lumped together and then a little bit of a drop-off there. The tight ends, you have Cole Komet, and then good luck with the rest of it. But I think my answer here, guys, is going to surprise you a little bit. It might be the quarterback class. I think when you have Joe Burrow Damn it. and Tua Tungavailoa, I think it's a two-quarterback class. And listen, Jordan Love has great traits, and we'll see if someone can develop him in a good situation. You know, Justin Herbert, we've been vocal on this show, our concerns about him. Those guys have tools. After that, it's not looking great. I really do think it's the gap between Joe Burrow and Tua, or at least together, and then below them. that That's the biggest drop-off. I didn't even listen to Mello's answer because I was thinking about what I was going to say about the quarterback. So this is what happens when I don't just let myself go first. And now I had to think of one on the fly. How about the edge rusher class? Because Chase Young is top, then Caleb on Chase on. And then I think there's a decent drop-off to Yidor Grossmatos. After that, big drop-off to guys like Josh Uche, Terrell Lewis. You're, you're rolling the dice on some guys who are either small or have a lot of injury concerns. Lesson learned, I will can never I, go last again. Can I put it on record, though, that, like, Jordan Love's going to fall to the Saints, and we're all going to look stupid because Saints fans are going to be like, you guys hated him. On record, I don't hate him with Sean Payton. Just want to oh, put that out there. I've already said, like, Monday after the draft, my Twitter will just be, I would like to change my ranking of this player now that I know where he is because that's yeah, I think that's the fear. Yeah, that right? is definitely yeah. the fear. Or he goes Jordan to Green Love. Bay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Green Bay. I don't think it'll be New England, but New England, of course, the Saints are a really good one. Uh, even in Indy, I'll say this, if he falls really far and ends up in Indy, whether they come back in for him, I think that's a good staff for him. 
It's like Jacob Easton to the Buccaneers. I want to take back everything negative I've said if he goes there. Because you learn from Tom Brady, and it's a perfect scheme fit for him. All right, second question, guys, from Jackson Warren. Is there a chance the Titans take a wide receiver in the first round? If not, what corner do you think they get at 29? So I think they go corner or offensive tackle at 29, depending on who's available. I think receiver is more like a second or third round need for them, especially if someone has some speed and could be a playmaker. So what corner could be there? To me, A.J. Terrell from Clemson and Jalen Johnson from Utah are exceptional scheme fits for them. Think about Mike Vrabel. Think about a New England-type corner. You want someone with some size, physicality at the line of scrimmage, like Malcolm Butler, who they have, like Stephon Gilmore. I know Jeff Gladney's a hot name around that range of 29 overall. I don't know. He's a little small. He's sticky at the line of scrimmage. I think he's a little small for their scheme. And he's kind of got that dog in him, though, that Mike Vrabel's going to like. So I think that sure. makes up for some of the size. Will they take a receiver in the first round? I don't think so because I don't think they want one of these guys with size. If they do, maybe Brandon Ayuk is that change of pace receiver that can come play in the slot and be exciting. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be a corner. Uh, there's just so much depth there. And, uh, you know, the offensive tackles, maybe they take a chance on a guy like Isaiah Wilson. I think he fits and he can slide yeah. right into right tackle and be a starter for them but I don't know that might be a little bit rich for Isaiah Wilson still I was gonna say that seems like the dark horse pick when you look at a plug and play kind of right tackle now Isaiah Wilson has his limits you know his deficiencies in pass protection but we know how much that team likes to just run the football over and over again and Isaiah Wilson is a guy that can definitely run block we know that so maybe they're at 29, they think about taking him because we've heard it. The range for him is all over the place. You're not going to have the chance to come back and get him in the second round or anything like that. When you look at corners, Matt, I love that you bring up, you know, what is this team looking for? Is it an outside guy that has the length that is 6'1", and then maybe you kick a Dory Jackson on the inside? Or yeah. are they comfortable because of his talent taking Jeff Gladney and saying, listen, we think Gladney could play on the outside for us, or we can flip him and a Dory around in the slot, uh, give us a lot of versatility on this defense. I think I'm going to learn a lot about Tennessee in this draft at cornerback. All right, Vern Stadamus. Not quite Nostradamus, but I'm with you here, Vern. He has money on Judy to be drafted 13 or later and Ruggs to be drafted 13 or later. He wants to know how we feel about it. Well, Vern, buddy, I feel a lot worse about it right now than I did yesterday because I would have said that's possible. But now there's some rumors. Michael Lombardi, I think, is from The Athletic putting out there maybe that uh, the Broncos trying to trade up to number 10, the Browns trying to trade back to 15. If the Broncos trade up to 10, we could see C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy come off the board there. We've talked about how one of those guys might already go at 9 to Jacksonville. And then you have the Jets and the Raiders at 11 and 12. I don't, I don't feel as good about your money right now. I, I don't feel great about it either. I think when you look at this draft, we always say it, time is a flat circle. We're starting to come back around on the receivers. So we had yeah. them slotted 11, 12, 13. Sorry about your Niners, Matt, because people are moving up in front of them now where I think we could see our three receivers go 9-10 with a trade. Uh, Denver coming up to Cleveland spot, 9-10-11 where they go in a row. And the Raiders and the Niners are going to be sitting there thinking, uh, damn it, we should have got a receiver earlier. Uh, they might have to make those money moves again. If, if C.J. Henderson's there at 13, I'm going to be okay, though. But if Henderson and the receivers are gone and they take Javon Kinlaw, uh, Connor, I'm calling it now, I will break something on set. I will throw this stick to football helmet at my camera if they take Javon Kinlaw at 13 overall. Guaranteed, we should all have items that are very breakable around us. We just get to break one item. Yes, exactly. And I think when you look at this, because I have somebody— 
Yeah, 100%. I'll, br- I'll break my camera probably on that one. But when you look at it, I mean, here in New Jersey, you can just bet online. I've been looking at all of these odds. I would like to know what the odds were here for Vernst Adamas because, man, those are some risky bets, guys. I, I feel better about Jerry Judy making it to 13 actually now than his teammate Henry Ruggs. I don't think Ruggs is there at 13. I think it's a reason we've heard so much buzz about the Broncos being one of the trade-up teams. Them in Atlanta, you hear it over and over again. I think Ruggs, it's starting to feel like, guys, that his floor is Vegas at 12. And if you said that five months ago, people would look at you like you're crazy. But I think for Henry Ruggs, it feels, once again, like his floor is 12 and a ceiling of even maybe even seven if the Panthers move out of that pick for someone else, depending on what the cost is. I'd like to know how you guys feel, the receivers, where their their pick floors stand right now. Yeah, I would have said 15 was the floor for the third receiver. Uh, but And I've had my heart set on for like a week, Henry Ruggs going to the Niners. Like, I've just been – it's on my vision board. I've been thinking about it. Like, I'm, I'm seeing it when I'm – I just don't think he gets past the Raiders. I, I would uh, say, like, the, the floor now, I think it has moved to 13. I, I think that we probably see a move with Denver. Uh, you know, our guy, Thomas Dimitrov in Atlanta, thinks he wants to move up. He really likes those Alabama receivers. <laughs> Is he going to add a third one uh, to his roster this year? Oh, my God. All right. Well, that is our show. I'm going to be depressed now. Thank you guys very much. Hey, don't forget to check out Bleacher Report's live coverage of the NFL Draft Rounds 1 through 5 right here in the Bleacher Report app, streaming every night. Adam Lefko uh, hosting the damn thing. Myself and Connor breaking down teams and picks. Mello's going to be dominated on social media. Uh, so make sure to follow all of us on Twitter. I am at NFL Draft Scout. He's at Mello, and he is at Connor J. Rogers. Don't forget you can listen to the show wherever you get your podcast or continue to find us right here in the Bleacher Report app. We'll be back Monday, 5 o'clock Eastern time, getting you all ready for the 2020 draft only a week away. Can't wait. Monday.